0: Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 6? And as you do that, we're going to dismiss our little kids to Children's Church. So if you have preschool age kids up through third grade, you can send them to Children's Church. Well, it was a big couple of weeks. As Sean mentioned, it it is Reformation Sunday, this 31st, where we remember uh, the great rediscovery of the gospel of jesus christ made by the monk martin luther his life was completely uh, rebuilt and transformed when he rediscovered who jesus is and what jesus did for him that we are saved by grace through faith in jesus christ and so we celebrate him this week and every week remembering the gospel of jesus christ as we look in the book of Nehemiah, also a couple of birthdays. Yesterday was the forty-fourth birthday of Pinewood's Church. So I know what you're th- thinking. I didn't. I didn't get the church anything. Well, later we will be passing a plate, and uh, you can give your gifts and offerings to the Lord. It was also on Wednesday my birthday. I turned forty-five. Yes. Uh, and you say, well, I didn't get you anything. Well, you can pray for me. That is the greatest gift. Second greatest gift is ammunition. So uh, <laughs> prayers, number one, uh, nine millimeter ammunition, number two, uh, Christian books, number three. And I promise not to shoot them with the ammunition that you purchased for me. So it's been a good week. Many birthdays, many rem- remarkable reminders of God's grace. The greatest comes to us from Nehemiah chapter 6. Let's read God's word together. Nehemiah 6, we'll read the whole chapter. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not yet set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Farim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me, 4 times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you were building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to them, saying, No such thing as you say has been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went up to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delia, the son of Mahatmabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, Should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him. But he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so that they would give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of all the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him. Because he was the son-in-law of Shekinah, the son of Ara, and his son Jehonan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. This is God's word. Let's go to him now in prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you in prayer asking that you would speak for we, your servants, listen. Lord, give us great confidence in your providence. Give us great hope in the gospel of our salvation. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Leon Lett grew up in Mobile, Alabama. He played high school football in Fairhope, played college football at Emporia State University, and then professional football with the Dallas Cowboys. During his impressive 11-year NFL career, he won three Super Bowl championships and made the Pro Bowl two times. He almost scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. In the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 27, with the Cowboys holding a comfortable lead over the Buffalo Bills, one of Lett's teammates sacked Buffalo quarterback Frank Reich. Reich fumbled the ball. Leon Lett scooped up the ball, and then Lett, who stood 6 feet 6 inches tall and weighed 290 pounds, took off in a full sprint toward the end zone. The one person who could possibly stop Leon Lett was a diminutive wide receiver named Don Beebe, who just so happened to be the fastest player on Buffalo's team. Leon scooped up the ball and crossed the 50-yard line. And the 40 yard line, and the 30 and the 20, and then when he hit the 10 yard line with no one in front of him, nothing but glory standing between Leon Lett, he inexplicably slowed down. And not only did he slow down, he took the football away from his body. And extended it to the side, beginning his celebration before he crossed the end zone. Not after he crossed the end zone. Before he crossed the end zone. That was the window that Don Beebe needed. At the two-yard line, Beebe swatted the ball out of Leon's hands. It rolled out of the back of the end zone. And Buffalo got the ball back on the 20 yard line, taking away what would have been the greatest moment in Leon Letts' professional football career. All because he didn't finish well. This morning, Nehemiah is sprinting toward the end zone. The wall surrounding Jerusalem is almost finished, but it's not finished yet. Here's the question. Will Nehemiah finish well? Will he cross the goal line after 52 days of praying and planning and preaching? Or will Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem knock the ball away before he crosses the goal line? What about us? Will we finish well? How do we finish well? How do we fulfill God's calling for our lives? How do we make this city a better city? How do we make this church a better church? How do we love and serve and worship and pray? How do we resist the Sanballats and Tobias and Geshem's of the world—the critics and the cynics, the people who are just waiting for us to stumble and fall? When the going gets tough, how do God's people keep going? If you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. We're going to look at four things that prevent us from finishing well. Four things that threaten to stop us before we finish building the kingdom of God. The first thing is distraction. God's enemies want to distract us so that we do not finish well. The second thing is discrediting. God's enemies want to discredit us. The third thing is deception. God's enemies want to deceive us. And the fourth thing is discouragement. God's enemies want to discourage us. How do we finish well? How do we avoid the mistake that Leon Lett made? How do we avoid the mistake of celebrating before we cross the goal line. Let's take a closer look. We begin with distraction. The enemies of God want to distract us. Look, a squirrel! Verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Haki-Farim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I send messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the, the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. Here's the background. If you've been with us at all during this series, you probably recognize the names Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. These guys were three pebbles in Nehemiah's shoe throughout the whole story. They opposed this rebuilding process from day one. They uh, mocked the Israelites. They taunted the Israelites. They oppressed the Israelites. They threatened the Israelites. They discouraged the Israelites. These three guys were a living, breathing comments section below the article. If Yelp reviews came to life, you would have Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. They have nothing positive to say. All they do is try to foil Nehemiah and his friends at every turn. So here they are, back again, only now they have a new strategy. They want Nehemiah to come to a meeting they said, hey, Nehemiah, I know you're almost finished, but why don't you take a, break, from a few, break for a few days? Come to Samaria, we'll have a summit, we'll sign a treaty, there'll be snacks, there'll be coffee, we'll follow Robert's rules of orders. Just come and leave the wall behind and come to us. They wanted to distract Nehemiah so that he would pull away from Jerusalem before he finished the wall. Distracted people rarely finish well. Now that's certainly true in all aspects of life. If you're too distracted to practice the piano, you will very likely not become a very good piano player. If you're too distracted to spend time with your kids, odds are you're not gonna be a very good parent. If you're too distracted at work, if you spend most of your day watching YouTube videos and playing games and doing all sorts of things other than working, you're probably not going to get very far in your career. But it's especially true when it comes to your relationship with God. If you're too distracted to read your Bible then you're very likely not going to have a good relationship with God since the whole Bible is about Jesus and God's grace and glory and His plan of salvation. If you're too distracted to pray, odds are you're not going to have a very good relationship with Jesus because in prayer, we converse with God, we hear from God, we speak to God, we relate to Him in prayer. If you're too distracted to worship with God's people, well, you're not going to have a very close relationship with Jesus because the church is the body of Christ. Now, that's not to say that you can't enjoy things that are are secondary, things like college football and following the latest developments in politics and social media and uh, video games and spy novels. All these things are fine, but it is to say that we can't let the world's agenda distract us from God's agenda. If the world's agenda is distracting us from God's agenda, then we have to learn to say no. That's what Nehemiah did. Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem summoned him four times. And four times he said no. No. Let me encourage you, and parents, you probably know this already, but no is a complete sentence. If you want to add motions, you could shake your head. Just no, no. Do not let God's enemies distract you from God's plans and God's purposes for your life. Sometimes you have to say no to what the world wants you to do so that you can say yes to what God wants you to do. Don't let God's enemies distract you from crossing the finish line, from finishing the wall, from doing what God is calling you to do. Now, the second thing we see is that God's enemies want to discredit us. Verse 5. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, "...sent his servant with me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there's a king in Judah. And now the king of Persia will hear these reports." So, now come and let us take counsel together. So, what is Sam Blatt saying? Here's what he's saying. You rebelled before you're going to rebel again. The reason why Jerusalem was destroyed was because the people rebelled. And that's who you are, and that's what you're going to do. You're a rebel, Nehemiah. The people are rebels. There's no hope for you. You're never going to change. You're always going to be who you used to be. Do you ever feel like that? Sometimes I feel like I I sit down and I remember all the sins that I've committed, and I think to myself, that's the real me. This new me who's following Christ, who's praying, who's trying to get closer, that's, that's a facade. That's a mask. The real me, the me underneath me is the idolater and the adulterer and the blasphemer and the person who doesn't treat people well and the person who doesn't really care that much about other people beside me. That's the real me. Now, the problem is, if you believe it, and believe me, Nehemiah was very much tempted to believe it, then if you believe that God's grace does not apply to you, if you believe that the blood of Jesus is not enough to cover your sins, that you have to punish yourself and wallow in guilt and shame and condemnation, if you still believe that you are the same person that you were before you met Jesus, that you can never grow, that you can never change, then you are destined for failure. You'll never finish the wall. You'll be so brokenhearted and so inside your own head that you can't step outside and do the work that God is calling you to do. In the Bible, one of Satan's names is the accuser. He's called the accuser because he wants us to believe who we were is who we are. And who we are is who we always will be. That is not true. If you are in Christ if you are trusting in Christ for your salvation, if you say Jesus died on the cross for me and the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all of my sins, then you are not who you used to be. You have been born again. You have been made new. You are part of God's family, adopted into the glorious family of God. You are a son or a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is who you are. You are, in the words of the Apostle Paul, in Christ. And the Spirit of Christ is in you. The old you is very much dead. And the new you is very much alive. That means you can grow. You can change. God can use you to build the wall. God can put your life back together again. When the enemy accuses you, talk back to the enemy. When the enemy accused Nehemiah, he said, it's not true. You're making this up. You've invented this in your own head. I am not who I used to be. I'm a new person. Tell the enemy the truth. Tell the enemy that you are not who you were. You belong to Jesus Christ. And then having rebuked the enemy, having talked back to the enemy, talk to God. Talk to your Father, pray, pray like Nehemiah prayed. verse 9, "But now, O God, strengthen my hands. That's the prayer. A child prays to their heavenly father. That's the prayer of a forgiven man. Someone who has been made new by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't let God's enemies discredit you. Don't let Satan accuse you. Don't allow God's enemies to deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a new identity in him. You're not the same rebel that you used to be. You're a child of the living God. Now the third thing that we see is that God's enemies want to deceive us. After trying and failing to distract and discredit Nehemiah, Sanballat and Tobiah hired a false prophet in order to deceive Nehemiah. Verse 10. Now, when I came into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Del- Deliah, the son of uh, Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple. For they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, Should such a man as, as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him. But he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. The prophet, who again was on Tobiah and Sanballat's payroll, said, We need to go into the temple. Right now, immediately, before it's too late, they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you tonight. Now, it wasn't true. It was a lie, and if Nehemiah believed the lie, A, he would have looked like a coward in front of all the people, and B, he would have been committing a grave and serious sin. In the Old Testament, only the priests were allowed to go into the temple, and Nehemiah wasn't a priest he would have been sinning against the Almighty God to take that privilege on himself by entering into the temple. Satan is a liar. Satan is a deceiver. He's the father of lies. He says things that sound plausible. Run to the temple, of Nehemiah. God will keep you safe in the temple. Doesn't that almost sound like good advice? If I wrote a book called Run to the Temple, Be Safe in the Arms of God, my mom would totally buy that book. She'd buy several copies, give them to her friends and neighbors, right? It almost sounds like good advice. But if you listen closely, you can hear the lie. Do you hear it? Fear men, Nehemiah. Doubt God's promises, Nehemiah. Abandon God's mission, Nehemiah. Disregard God's word, Nehemiah. Yes, I know there's something in the Bible about saying that only priests can go in the temple, but this is special. This is different. God's word doesn't apply to you. God would certainly understand if you committed one little sin in order to save yourself. I mean, think about all the good that you could do ultimately if you just cut this corner And do what God has said not to do. How do we fight it? Well, the best way to fight Satan's lies is with gospel truth. Verse 11. But I, Nehemiah, said, should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. And I understood and saw That God had not sent him. But he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. It is not easy to resist Satan's lies. Oftentimes, Satan will come to us with things that sound very plausible. Something that we almost, deep in our hearts, want to believe. That's why God's word is so important. That's why God's truth is is so important don't let satan deceive you stay on the wall finish well the fourth thing we see last thing is that god's enemies want to discourage us now i have to admit that the last few verses of this passage are a little bit discouraging are they not After hearing that this great project is over, that after 52 days, Nehemiah and his friends have improbably rebuilt the walls of the city of Jerusalem, which had stood in ruins for more than 140 years, we get the news that there was a group of nobles in Jerusalem, the elites, the important people who were secretly aligned with the enemies of Israel. All the while, while Nehemiah was trying to fulfill God's plan, the people who should have been helping him, the people who should have been on his side, were corresponding with the people that were trying to thwart the mission. It's discouraging. Sometimes it feels like the really important people aren't on our team Sometimes it feels like the politicians in Washington aren't on our team, and that's a nonpartisan statement. It feels like the guys that have the power aren't really interested in us. Sometimes it feels like the big corporations and the big powers of the world aren't on our side. Sometimes it feels like the elites have their own agenda, and it's not God's agenda at all. Don't be discouraged. The battle is hard. Building the wall is hard. It's always been hard. Not only physically, it's hard emotionally and mentally to focus, to do God's will when the storm is swirling all around you. But remember, in the end, Nehemiah wins. God wins. Grace wins. Jesus wins. Verse 15, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. It's a remarkable story. God's people had sinned against God. They had run after other gods. They had made themselves gods in their own eyes. And as a result, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed and the people were scattered. God forgave them. That's what the cross is all about. But not only did God forgive them, God restored them. That's what the resurrection is all about. The beauty of the gospel is that in the end, no matter who is aligned against us, no matter who is aligned against God and his kingdom, we win because Jesus won. His enemies tried to distract him at every turn. It didn't work. His enemies tried to discredit him time and time again. They failed. His enemies tried to deceive him, but he would not stop as he set his face for Jerusalem, the city of God. In John chapter 16, we read, I, Jesus, have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. How do, we, how do we finish well? Well, we resist the devil, we pray, we worship, we don't go to meetings. <laughs> but in the end, we believe in the one who finished well. We believe in the one who died and rose again resurrection is there any greater finishing well than the resurrection from the dead amazing his strength is greater than our weakness his grace is greater than our sins he finished well brothers and sisters sons and daughters of the living god finish well Let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for Nehemiah and the great example that he set of steadfastness and faithfulness. We thank you for your grace that brought your people back home to Jerusalem. And we thank you for your grace that brings us back from the exile of our unbelief. We thank you, Lord Jesus, That you were faithful to the very end. That you said, it is finished. As you fully and finally paid the price for all of our sins. Lord, may that grace transform our hearts. That we might serve you faithfully until the day that you call us home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.